you're not like trying to transpose facts from my brain into your brain. That's not the point. You are learning how to learn. You are learning how to be uncomfortable. You are learning how to go about the process of growing yourself in your mind, in your spirit. And as that was to me, that was what teaching was about. It wasn't about like when was the war of 1812. And I had kids get that one wrong. The big question is this. In a world of fake Instagram models and bad diets, how do real people achieve their fitness goals? We are an army of hardworking women changing their lives through fitness and health. Wherever you are at on your journey, we have the answers to how to make working out and eating well a part of your life. Join us in changing the dialogue for women everywhere. Welcome to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Rachel. And Isley told you specifically to give more wait time. I, and she you did, didn't do and it. I didn't do it. Didn't do it. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> There was a, yeah, there was a butterfly. Oh, a butterfly flew by and all the instructions went right out the window. Right out the window. It just blacked out. Does that happen to everyone else? (laughs) Wait, wait. Perfect for our new segment. Yes. Entitled, Is It Just Me? Oh. I'm going to lose this now that my handle's broken. But I have a different one for Is It Just Me? But I honestly, as we started talking... I forgot. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Is it just me or do you forget things mid-sentence? Wait. So I have to talk about your handle for a second because this is, I just feel like this is so you. This whole story is so you. Okay. So Kelsey has had tumblers on tumblers on tumblers. She has lots of tumblers. All of them are, are, there you go. There's another one if you're watching (laughs) on YouTube. She's got two just in this room. Okay, but show that one. So the CVG ones are, oh, look at how gorgeous it is with, yeah. your, with your name and it stuff. It has my name on How it, cute. Yeah. So our tumblers are the best for, like, keep colds. They're so cute. Like, Mine's the designs. So I have hot coffee in there, and I put it in there probably 6.30. You can't drink hot coffee in June. I can do whatever I want. I start my day with hot coffee every day. How dare you? Yeah, I know. It's weird. Weird. Not like it's warm in June because we're in Massachusetts, but still, there's like a there's like a cut date where you have to stop the hot coffee and and you're just look at you going again. Look at you, you little rebel. I do what I want. This oh is my how I god. Look like. <laughs> oh my god! All right, pull those up so the biceps show. I'm, yeah, I'm for that. I got <laughs> Why you work so hard for them? You gotta just, like just make sure the teaser. Yeah, there. Okay. Yeah, you gotta watch on YouTube, guys. You just miss a flex if you didn't. <laughs> so here's the thing. So we ha- she has all of these amazing tumblers. However, our tumblers do not have a handle, and ca- most. You know, most people, that's really fine. Kelsey, on the other hand, has spilled her tumbler in the office, now going on, I don't know, seven times. People hear a noise and they're amazed. (laughs) 
a day. Yeah. Uh, people hear a noise and they look and they're like, did Kelsey spill her tumbler? Like, it's like that. It's like, it's, uh, if there's any noise at all, we know what happened. It's Kelsey it and she spilled. She has her own paper towels that are just on her desk. At one time I was walking with my tumbler and I dropped it in a way that it literally bounced up and then splashed me in the face with water, like in my mascara, like it was like, there's like spilling and then there's professional spillers and listen, people with ADHD can spill like no others. Like if you've never seen someone splash their own mascara by spilling on the floor, like I got it. I have someone for you to meet. I've got a spiller for you. <laughs> and Kelsey. So we had to get her a special handle because it's easier for her to not spill. Oh, and the and the bottom has rubber too. That's the other yeah. thing. So it can't like slide on the table. And it has like a really secure top so that when I hit it, I don't spill. So I, I also, I not only spill like while I'm walking or holding, but if it's on my desk, I, I usually am just reaching for things. So my hands are going a little wild and I spill it over. So it has a secure top. There's no limit. Top. There's no limit to the places or the situations in which Kelsey can spill. It's unlimited. She could be sitting. She could be walking. She could be. It doesn't matter. And somehow she has managed to break the handle off of the. I don't even. I broke the handle. It's like a secure, like titanium. Bolted on. <laughs> like I have a talent for breaking things. I know, you know what? That's why I say I test our leggings, though, because if someone's going to break these, it's going to be me. <laughs> it's so true. We're like, oh, how's it? How are those holding up? Like, how's the stitching holding up? Like, how's the and every single time Mark says, well, like, have they been on Kelsey yet? Because that's how, you know. That's how you're going to know. This girl can destruct titanium <laughs> handles. Okay. And it's only been like two weeks with that water bottle. Like it, it, she is the ultimate destructor. So maybe, you know, now that that one's broken, we can, we can just, ha cause I know it's going to happen. Yeah. The sounds are going to start happening again. Yeah. The yeah. sounds of spilling. Yeah. I, so, I totally break it off. That's what I mean. Are you guys, does anybody out there have this as well? Are you like a chronic spiller? Let me tell you something about me. This has been a lifelong journey of spilling and it has been some, from my childhood, memorable like instances probably fairly traumatic are <laughs> me not being able to eat dinner with the rest of my family because I spilled too many times and I had to go away. I was spilling too much. I had to go away or I had to sit on my hands and I would literally sit on the stairs and wait for everyone to be done because I was causing too much chaos with my spilling and my moving but I wanted to be a participant but I just couldn't control my body yet. <laughs> I don't know if yet belongs there. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Well, just take that last little part out. And I sat at so many tables with you, spilling everything and driving dad up a wall. And I will just say, I want to say a special thank you to you because I now have a, a reincarnation of you 
for my child. It's like that weird, like weird karma kind of like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> that was a blessing. <laughs> of course. I didn't mean weird karma. I meant a blessing. So, but anyways, I got little Kelsey in a boy form as my son and he spills everything. And I am so much better equipped to deal with and handle the frustration that comes along with somebody who spills everything. And honestly, it's so normal to me now that I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think I'm so much better equipped to handle it. So thank you for um, paving the way for the spillers in our family. <laughs> You're doing God's work. <laughs> Look at that wonderful reframe too, about just feeling better equipped because a lot of times it's really important to look at our experiences in a way of making us better equipped for something. And you might not even know what the thing is yet, guys, that like some of your experiences will pan out later in the future. You never do know because sometimes like I, you know, I heard this thing recently, like if you could have a third or a 60 second phone call with you at any previous point in your life, what would you say? And like, what age would you call yourself? And it's just some of these weird things that like you think back and you're like, wow, didn't know that this was going to pan out this way or didn't know I was going to be able to use this experience later in the future or like that this would make me better equipped for a child you never even knew was coming. Like, it's just like so many things that we can or not understand in the moment, but later looking back, you're like, yeah. Hello, 23-year-old Rachel. Please put sunscreen on your freaking <laughs> face. Stop going out into the sun bare-ass naked with no sunscreen. Oh, look at look at my phone. Yeah, that's your phone. That's, that's, not, that's how not how we do your phone okay, anymore. No. You're just going to use your dial-up as well. Just oh, <laughs> my God. I hate myself right now. Okay, I'm going to this. Is that you would call? This doesn't 20? even look like a phone, though. Like, I, if know, you're, I know, but like. It's kind of awkward, actually. <laughs> I'm I think we should go back to this. All right, so I'm calling myself and saying, just, you are an idiot. Stop no. using toner. What are you doing? Moisturize. What are you doing? So Rachel's calling her 23-year-old self. Guys, who are you calling? Who are you calling? I want to know. This is just an interesting. It's a, it's a tough it's a tough one for me. I think I'm not sure exactly what age I'm calling. It might be middle school. Uh, and I think I'm probably saying like you're not dumb. <laughs> and like, I mean, this is a 60 second phone call, so I could probably get a lot in, but I would probably say like, you know, and you're, you're not like you are weird, but that's a good thing. Your Girl, weird's you're going to pan out. You're going to end up with degrees and yeah. success and don't even worry about the social studies. Okay. <laughs> you're not going to use it. It's not that important. Coming from a history teacher. <laughs> I know. I just want to be a fly on the wall for that convo. No, I always said to my kids, like, hey, you guys are learning how to learn here. That's the important thing. We're not like trying to transpose facts from my brain into your brain. That's not the point. You are learning how to learn. You are learning how to be uncomfortable. You are learning how to go about the process of growing yourself in your mind, in your spirit. And as that was, to me, that was what teaching was about. It wasn't about like, when was the war of 1812? And I had kids get that one wrong. Yeah. 
And when Sophia <laughs> was the one of 1812. There's, there's still, there's videos going around on the internet of that exact question and grown adults getting mad. <laughs> they were probably in my class. So today's topic is so good and it's so important and it's so now because I think we're finally ready to talk about this because there was a time in the world when this topic and the idea of like being uncomfortable and seeking discomfort out and stuff was so off-putting because the world in itself was going through a time, it was a time where we were all really, really uncomfortable. And I'm not going to say that that made anyone better necessarily, but what I am going to say is I understood why people wanted to give themselves some a break at that particular time. I understand why people were having a hard time with the idea of adding purposeful discomfort into their life, but I will say that Getting too much stuck in that mindset of I want my life is there are uncomfortable parts of my life and the world has uncomfortable things going on. And so therefore, my whole goal for myself is just to seek out comfort. I'm telling you guys, that is the killer of any kind of growth and goal setting. It's just not possible without discomfort. And I think that we've like swung into a direction, perhaps because of the pandemic, where we are so much of the day is spent seeking out comfort. And so many products are aimed at giving us more comfort. And everything, all of the marketing around us is about how we can be so comfortable. And I just think that we need to counteract that because um, it can really be, it can lead you down a road of complacency that I think when you look back, you'll say, shoot, I, I wish I had been a little less comfortable because the things that I wanted weren't right there. They weren't in that comfort zone. Yeah. I think when we, when we start to talk about change and we start to think about change, change has gotten kind of a, well, it's, it's been through phases, right? It's gotten kind of a negative connotation. Then it's gotten this like beautiful butterfly image on it. And I think that it is neither of those things, honestly. I think that um, when you talk about change and you think about transformation and think about what comes on the other end of that, there's been really two camps where like, it's going to be the worst thing ever. And it's like a, so uncomfortable and you need to be puking every time, or it's going to be like this beautiful transformation. And then when people realize that change is not as comfortable as they would want it to be, then it's kind of a, a scary thing. And we kind of turn away and lean away from it and really thinking about like discomfort in itself doesn't need to be negative. It doesn't need to be necessarily a negative experience, but it's a weird thing because it doesn't necessarily mean it's positive either. (laughs) So it's kind of like the human experience. We can't put it in a box of you are this or you are that because you are all kinds of things. And sometimes being uncomfortable is 
great. And sometimes it is not so great. But in all of that, it is the catalyst for change. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've been thinking about being in a change season for myself and what that means and what that looks like and what I want to get out of that at the end of the day. And I think a lot of people, when they're in a change season, they, they tend to shrink back from it a little bit and try and find pieces of comfort for themselves, which is, there's a place for that as well. But being able to sit in some of the uncomfortableness and really think about what it means like and what it means and what it feels like for you is a really great opportunity to learn more about yourself and to become a different, a more grown version of yourself that you would not have the ability to kind of see and work through if you didn't sit in that uncomfortable for a minute. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where recognizing that it's normal to seek comfort, that like that's a survival skill that your brain is like equipped with on purpose. In, in that it's normal, but just recognizing that you're doing it and saying like, I'm always trying to seek comfort. I know this inherently about myself as a human being, and that's normal. However, growth is not going to happen in that particular area. So like if we're saying, I know that I'm always seeking out comfort, but I want to improve my job situation. I want to improve professionally. I want to improve my health and fitness. I want to improve some of my relationships. I want to be a better parent. If you have goals, they are not going to necessarily be accomplished in comfort. And so I think that just allowing both of those things into your scope and saying like, Everything in me is going to want to be comfortable. However, if I have these goals, I'm going to have to accept that I'm going to need to fight against that urge a little bit. And I think that obviously all we talk about when we talk about health and fitness is like, it's not a fight with your body. It's not like a you versus your mind and like a war and a willpower thing. And that's why I wanted to take this opportunity to reframe discomfort because I think it has a bad rap. I think feelings of like anxiety or being uncomfortable or overwhelmed or like just a little like all of those we know the knee-jerk reactions when we feel those in ourselves they've gotten like a that's bad avoid it yeah i mean well society has really built everything from like an evolutionary standpoint everything that we have created has been to eliminate that like just thinking about like social media and technology like that is there so that you never have to feel awkward uncomfortable in like times of silence in times of solitude and times of even like, you know, sitting with other people in front of you and you are like, well, I don't want to feel awkward. I just go on my phone and Uber, like we have food delivered to us. And every time, like every part of like how we've evolved as a society has been built around, like, what are the things that we can do to make everyone more comfortable? And that's totally natural. But on the other side of that, we have had things that have been designed to create uncomfortable circumstances. And you think about the 
uh, uptick in things like ultra marathons and Spartan races, you know, CrossFit, things that are designed to make people uncomfortable. And they're signing up for these things. Now, if you think about that from like an evolutionary standpoint, or just like, if you thought about, you know, people in 1920 thinking about people pay money to sign up to run a hundred miles, there's wait lists. They would be like, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy, right? Because that idea there, there was, there was a level of uncomfortable experiences at that time that people would never seek out that level of discomfort in order to challenge themselves. We're in a society right now where we have created so many comfortable pillars around us that it has created a space for you know, seeking out these other things that say like, I know inherently that I need to feel uncomfortable and I'm going to pay money (laughs) or I'm going to be on a wait list or I'm going to, you know, to feel that level of discomfort because we have both of those things within us where we do know on a certain level that we need to seek those things out. It's true. And paying money to be uncomfortable is, and we talked about it a little bit with the cold plunge too, of like training, training your brain and why, like, why are people doing this? And it's like these, it's, it's so true. The world has become so comfortable, but we know inherently deep down the benefits of being uncomfortable. And According to a recent study, people were asked, what is the number one trait that you admire in others? They said, overwhelmingly, as the number one answer, openness to change. And it's like, okay, so we know we admire this in other people, and we know the ability to change needs a level of discomfort. However, it doesn't jive with what we're being told every single day of like, so we could admire those things, but every day we're being told like, ah, just get takeout. You know, it's easy. We also do this with parenting too. The number one thing you don't want to have is like a spoiled brat, right? Like you don't, like you don't provide your kid every comfort because we know that like an adult that has been raised being provided every single comfort that there could be is a brat. They don't have any resiliency. That That's like the worst thing for a parent. They, we actively try to avoid that. We try to make situations where our kid doesn't have everything they've ever wanted because that's not a great personality trait. But like then we're going and giving ourselves every comfort, which is like a weird juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. You know what I was thinking about when you say something about that when we admire this quality in other people and openness to change, it's such an interesting thing to think about because if you admire some of these qualities, when you look outside and you say, I admire those in other people, to me, that, that is a, like a bell goes off that says like, that should be something that is on the forefront that I should try and emulate in my everyday life. And something that comes to mind when you say that is just like, people are constantly changing and they are, when you're in relationships with, and I'm not talking about just like intimate relationships, I'm talking about platonic relationships, everything. So people are constantly changing and the ability to see change in another person is really important for the evolution of that relationship and being able to allow 
almost allow others and yourself to change and change your reactions to that. And something that always comes to mind is like, when you say like, Jessica always reacts this way. And it's like, perhaps at one point that was a reaction, but we have to allow ourselves like the same way that we think about comfort and we think about repetitiveness and being able to rely on someone. We rely on their negative traits as well that that we would consider negative, but they are reliable. So we're always looking for them to say like, this is what always happens when I do this, when I say this, but it really doesn't allow for ourselves and people around us to maybe have a different reaction. Like I always, if you're saying to yourself, like I always stop working out after one week, I always quit after six months. Like you're retelling that story of a version of yourself that you no longer are. And you have the opportunity every day to make that change and to decide I am a person who sticks by the things that I say I'm going to do. I am a person who is going to continuously seek out discomfort because I am changing. And just because I've always done something doesn't mean I always will. And like, Give yourself that permission first and then give yourself that permission in your relationships to allow someone to show something different, to maybe be something different. And to, if they're there, you know, to, to, to allow that change to happen and accept it, like maybe that was what they always did, but they're different now because people are changing. It's so interesting how intertwined comfort and the story that we tell ourselves really is. It's so, and I don't think people think of them together a lot, but really the story that you have for yourself, whatever it is, negative or positive, and obviously you have different parts that are going to be, you know, more negative or more positive. It's based on the comfort that you've provided yourself up until this point that repetitious behavior. And that's why, you know, we always see people struggle so hard with in their relationships when they're trying to make a change and the other person is sometimes actively trying. Holding, yeah. Yes. And it's so hard to watch because some of these changes, actually almost all of these changes are for the positive, but they aren't part of the story of that person thus far. And of course the person's story is intertwined into all of their relationships. And so it becomes a discomfort for the other person. And now we're letting, we're, we're trying to be comfortable on so many levels, right? We're trying to be comfortable in ourself and we're trying to be comfortable in the predictable behaviors of others that we spend a lot of time with. And it's like, all of that could be reframed if we simply leaned in to discomfort as a catalyst for improvement and change and like really embraced that and said like every single time I feel discomfort, something good is coming after this because there is going to be a change that is going to happen and that is going to help me to grow as a person. We say this with our kids all the time and we stop practicing it with ourselves, and it's like so backwards and I think that the first step in starting to go about this, because it's going to be hard to seek out discomfort, guys. Like, we're not saying like, oh, just start doing it. It's going to be, I mean, yes, it goes against biologically what you want to do. So, of course, anything like that is going to be a skill that's going to need to be practiced, just like all the other skills that 
bring you success. But I think that the first thing in starting to put this into place is that you stop suppressing negative emotions. Like that's really step one. I'm putting negative in air bunnies for a second. For sure. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever you, cause that's so like up for debate, right? Totally. And I've like grappled with this a lot because I, one of the like motivations for change a lot for me, it has always been, I don't want to feel like this anymore. So I'm going to just like hit hard in the other direction. But also it's really important to feel some of those negative emotions instead of kind of pushing them off and ignoring them and just pretending like they're, they aren't happening because you're sweeping, you're sweeping your discomfort under the rug and it can't live there. (laughs) It's going to come out in one way or another. And it's important to be able to confront some of those negative emotions and then decide because you're, then you're taking the wheel, right? You're taking the wheel in your life. And ultimately that's, that's the goal that you're the driver in your life and that there is going to be other cars on the road, but you are the driver in your life. And that ownership is very important. So when you feel those emotions and actually feel with them and process them and say like, these are really uncomfortable. And this is making me challenge some of the things that I previously thought some of the typical uh, reactions to something. This is challenging all of those thoughts. So maybe if I could sit in that for a second, I could sift through what is uncomfortable, what I don't like, what's really the problem here? Like what's knocking? Because that's how I always think about discomfort. Like it's, it's knocking, like it's giving the universe is giving you like a nudge and it's like, you feel upset, you feel sad or like you feel some type of way for like I don't want to say like an extended period of time, but it's not just momentarily. You're like having this ongoing like feeling and it happens within your body too. Like your body comes knocking when something's wrong and you keep ignoring it. You keep ignoring it. But like how loud is that not going to get before you answer the door? Because it's coming. I think the, the ability to not suppress negative emotions is, first of all, we need to recognize that we're coming into this with potential trauma, right? Like your childhood is going to totally come into play when you thought when you think about your ability to like sit with, you know, negative emotions and process them and not sweep them under the rug. But I just want to highlight how necessary they are because joy doesn't feel like joy without sorrow. So to just pick the ones that you want, like off a list, like a menu. I'll take joy. I'll take love. But you don't appreciate I'm how ignore the human experience. <laughs> it, it's Step not first. the human experience without the other things. And joy is never ever gonna feel as sweet without sorrow. And recognizing that those two things are together, they're they are literally necessary for one and the other to exist makes it less like get rid of all of the sorrow and set up my life so that there is no potential for sorrow. And because then you start thinking, well, then is there a potential for true joy then? And like, am I willing to give that up? And I say to my son all the time, like about feelings, because you're always hearing it, like you feel a feeling, you don't judge it. You just 
feel it, you hug it, and then you let it go. You don't want to sit with sorrow. This, I mean, of course we want to sit with joy, but like, <laughs> hold on to this. <laughs> you don't get to sit with any one thing for too long and just taking note of that. So you're not ever afraid for the joy to go away because like, you know, eventually their sorrow will come and that's okay. That's okay. They both have to exist together. And I, I really want to just kind of put that out there as a potential for every single time you think about suppressing something negative or taking a route that would avoid that you think would avoid, of course there is no avoiding, right. But like taking these safe paths is that feeling loved just doesn't feel the same if you haven't also been rejected. These things have to be working together and you can't actively avoid one because you're trying to find the other because the one doesn't come without the other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so true. It's so true also when you're thinking about just when it's temporary discomfort because when you're looking for, and we talked about this when we talked about delayed gratification, so all of the things like these themes kind of like work together and it's really important to kind of like sift through all of them. But when it comes to temporary discomfort, when we're kind of looking at some of the smaller knocks, when we're looking at some of the smaller signs, then you're looking towards heading off a major one, right? Like you, because like, it's going to come no matter what. <laughs> so if we continuously ignore something that says like, I think you need to change here. I think you need to look at this. I think that there's something wrong and people do this so much with their health. That's why it's, I think it's so important to really like dive in because, you know, we always hear the the big stories about like, well, I had a heart attack and then, you know, I decided that it was time to change my lifestyle which sometimes is necessary for people, but we hope that maybe the 30 signs before that, we might be able to head it off and look at some of the temporary discomfort that we might be may experience when it comes to making some lifestyle adjustments there before it comes to the time where you have a heart attack. And that's like such a an important one. I think a lot of people can resonate with that because they know that like there are so many signs before something, before a crisis really happens and ignoring that a crisis is potential. If you continue to ignore some of these things, it's just like looking at it really like real for what it is. That's true. I mean, it's hard. <laughs> Your life is it, happening. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, going. Yeah, it's going no matter what. It's going and all of these things are coming and the actively trying to avoid the discomfort honestly just brings more discomfort, which it's like opposite land. So I think the one important thing that I learned when I was when I was looking into this, I was researching this, is that I think this is really all about the way we frame discomfort and as as a negative that makes us avoid it because there was this study um, that they did on discomfort and they basically took two groups and they said like this, this group is going to have the advice of, okay, we want you to actively seek out discomfort. You are successful in this experiment if you are uncomfortable and or anxious or feeling in any way 
discomfort, that's how you've won this experiment. And the other group, they told, all you're here to do is learn. You're just trying to learn from these experiences. And they put them in different arenas. So like there was an exercise group. One group told you're supposed to actively be seeking out discomfort. One told you're just here to learn. In improv, like, you know, comedy or acting, there was a politics group and there was a writing group. So they put them in these tasks and they said like, okay, you guys try to be uncomfortable and you guys just try to learn. And across the board, across the board, the group that was told that their goal was to be uncomfortable was more successful in every single thing that they did. They reported having better workouts, leaving feeling more accomplished than those who hadn't had that directive. For the improv group, they had a like an independent audience just watch and rate the people. The, they were all beginners at improv. They all rated the group that was trying to actively be uncomfortable as better and higher and like more entertaining to watch. They, the political group, they said, um, how do you, f- they made them like read opposing s- viewpoints. Like that would, the, the group that was asked to seek out discomfort reported having learned more and been more open to new ideas. And the other group, not the same. And then like, obviously the group being asked to write, the ones that were being asked to find discomfort, wrote about tough things. And when they got out of it, they left feeling like saying they have like grown emotionally and they were really glad they wrote about those things and they feel like freer and just better. And the other group just wrote about bullshit. And it's, but like we told those people that was the goal and they all left the experience better for it. What if everybody reframed discomfort as being the goal and saying like success is going to follow right after the discomfort. And if I find the discomfort, success is going to come. And so like it doesn't, it, it's not mystified as like this bad thing anymore that we're trying to avoid. It's like, I'm, that's what I'm looking for because I know what comes after that. And it's me being just better. Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially that's what we're all trying to do. And we know the answer, (laughs) like this is the test and we know the answer, but putting words to it and putting logic to it and putting actions behind it and knowing when it's time to look at discomfort and in what ways we can look at discomfort, I think is a skill that we develop over time. And one of the things when I think about when it comes to health and fitness and people know to look for discomfort, that's why fad diets or these life overhauls have become so popular. And it's something that people look for right away because they say, I know I need to be uncomfortable. Let me just do all of this. But I think it's important that when we talk about some of those, you know, overhauls, we also insert time because time is a really important part of discomfort and a really important part of change because we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in a decade and what we can do in a day, in a year, in a decade, when it comes to healing our relationship with our body, when it comes to healing our relationship with food, when it comes to, you know, creating sustainable change for ourselves is a good amount of time. 
it's, it's a really good amount of time, but it comes with these small acts that we are uncomfortable and we have decided and committed and are willing to make a change that we know is going to be uncomfortable and we know is for ourselves essentially and is going to make us better. And I think sometimes if we can just insert the fact that like at the end of this discomfort, you are going to get the thing that you're chasing. It might look different than you think it is now, but like you are going to get it. Cause I remember at the beginning of my, and I call it like my like health and fitness journey because like I was active throughout my whole life, but I had a, a changing moment where I started to look at health and, fit, health and fitness differently, but it came over time, but it started with looking at my body differently over time. And it started with one, you know, going to CrossFit was my like moment, but 10 years later, here I am 10 years later, I had never imagined my first day in CrossFit that I wouldn't care what my body looked like 10 years from now. I entered in the door. Yeah, there's your decade. Like you, I entered in the door with the idea of, I want to look a certain way. I want to lose body fat. I want, I entered in the door with that idea, but what I came out with was not what I thought I wanted at the beginning. It's so much better. <laughs> it's so much better from leaning into that discomfort, you know, day after day and learning more about yourself and learning more, like leaning more inward and seeing some of the different things that come along that path. And then looking back 10 years later and then being like, whoa, <laughs> that's not where I thought this was going. That's so true. I mean, using the, like, we're always looking for like, how do I know I'm doing this right? That's so, so important to seeking validation of like, I have to know if I'm on the right track because we've been so conditioned that you can't waste any time. God forbid you waste time learning something. Instead, just put it into place all right now today and just figure it all out. And we're worried constantly that we don't have enough evidence that we're on the right track. And what if we're not? And what if we're not doing it right? And that is like, obviously, a huge reason to why there's this, you know, now we're not eating carbs. Now we're Mediterranean. Now we're not, now there's no fats. Wait, just kidding. All the fats. Like that's because we are constantly seeking out that like validation of, am I doing it right? And I'm wondering if we used some feelings of discomfort as a marker for like, Hey, you're on the right track because change is going to be uncomfortable. If you are trying to change something and it feels, it's making you feel anxious to like sign up to be considered for a promotion, or if you're feeling anxious about being really uncomfortable and sweaty during a workout and like having your muscles just like ache and stuff like these things are your sign that you're doing it right, that validation that you're looking for. And we are like conditioned to be like, oh, the minute I feel that, we'll go the other direction. And it's like, you were right there. You were right there. And I know that if somebody had possibly presented the idea that that feeling is the, 
you're doing it right marker, that you might lean into that a little bit more, stick with things longer, give them appropriate amounts of time. It's almost like a motivator because once you start down this path of like, I'm seeking a a certain level of discomfort because I want change. Once you start leaning into that, discomfort starts being a motivator. Like you feel it and you're like, oh shit, there it is. Yes. Okay. This means I'm on the right track. I want, like, for example, in the gym, if you're seeking discomfort as a motivator, and I'm not talking, guys, we need to just always have in mind, like that doesn't mean puking. Like that doesn't mean, come on, like keep this in perspective. I'm talking about discomfort in the way of discomfort, not that you have to be puking and like falling down, dying after your workout and stuff. That's ridiculous. I'm saying a level of discomfort is necessary to make progress in the gym. Okay. That's just the truth. And when you start to feel uncomfortable and say like, oh yes, I'm doing it right. How much more likely are you to return the next day to go get that discomfort again? That's where I think you start building these habits that you always admire in other people because it's not like I don't want to go back because I'm so sore and I'm scared of being sore again. And it's like, no, I felt that. I felt it. And I know what's coming next after that is like muscle growth and like lean body mass and getting body composition changes. And I'm leaning into that. I want to go back and get a little sore again tomorrow. Like it's a, it's a cool reframe. Obviously we're keeping everything within the parameters of what's reasonable. Like I just, I, I hate when people take it and they're like, all right, I'm going to be the sorest ever. Like, no, that's obviously not going to be sustainable either. I'm saying like a certain level of, of discomfort being your marker that like, yes, you want to keep going and that's a motivator. Yeah, I love that that you had said um, being a marker for success too, because it's just like the thing that I think about when it comes to success, you kind of like look around and we're always looking outside ourselves and being like, who is successful? You know, who is, and it's almost like success comes with like, who is comfortable? Like who is living in like a comfortable lifestyle? Who is doing these things that I would consider to be successful all the time? They don't have to worry about money. They don't have to worry about all of these other things. Like how comfortable are you? And really when it comes to when you start to like define, you know, what success means for you, but like looking at discomfort being a sign of success is something that's like in the iceberg parts, you know, when you see that like iceberg for success and it's like part of the, the iceberg, like what's underneath the water is so much discomfort to be able to get to a place where you're almost like feeling comfortable. Let me explain that a little bit because like feeling comfortable in my body came with discomfort. So I had to first feel very uncomfortable, sometimes uncomfortable in my workout, sometimes like just feeling like uncomfortable in the first time you wear shorts, the first time you wear a crop top, like all of those things were initially uncomfortable experiences for me personally. So I'm I'm just going to say for me, they were initially uncomfortable and they gave me eventually this level of comfort in my body that I can't even put words to, right? Like you have the, the, the limitless idea of like the ability to do so many things, so much confidence in your body. Like you can just like 
go on a, a, a run, go on a, a hike, do all of these other things that like my body is not my limitation there. And when it comes to confidence, it's the same thing. Like there is, I'm feeling confident, not because I reached a certain size or a certain body fat percentage or any of those things. It's because I was uncomfortable at one point in myself and in my body. And I challenged that and I got uncomfortable to then feel comfortable. Does that make sense? It's a freaking concept. <laughs> and it's so, so important. It's like, if I could just give one piece of advice, it is that like, it's not gonna just show up. Yeah, yeah. It's not gonna just show up. It's going to take feeling uncomfortable wearing shorts many times before you wear them unapologetically. Yeah. It's it's the work, the groundwork that has to be laid and it's change and change comes with discomfort. So if you're looking to change without it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to just show up. It's not going to knock on your door one day and go like, look, you've reached your goal <laughs> weight. Here you are ready to wear shorts. Like it's <laughs> no. just not like that. And it's so, it's so hard because it translates into everything, into your professional life, into your relationships. Like I don't know anyone who's not that that's in a super strong relationship that the kind of relationship that people look at and admire and hasn't also been in a ridiculously uncomfortable relationship where they had to go through all of this heartbreak and understanding that they were worthy of something that wasn't there. And it's like, and even being uncomfortable in that relationship, like having like getting deeper levels of like connection and communication comes with a level of discomfort. So you have to have uncomfortable conversations with people to make a connection with them. And we're, I found this interesting because there's like two camps in that arena where like, there's definitely a camp there. People are just like, I'm going to sit here, let silence hang and like sit and have uncomfortable conversations with people. And there is another camp that says like, I am on my phone. <laughs> like I am completely exiting this. Like we can't sit in an elevator with a stranger. We can't, there's like plenty of examples that we have with this, like throughout your daily life, like sit, so you're waiting in a waiting room and you're like, dude, your partner goes to the bathroom when you're sitting at the bar, you're like right on your phone. Cause you don't want to like look around like, whoa, like you might make eye contact with someone. It could get weird, but like, what, what don't are those? Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. But like in, in those same, like in those relationships, like you don't get that level of understanding for another person, understanding for yourself and the ability to work through some things and emotions and interactions that you have with other people without having those uncomfortable conversations with them. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I, I, I say to my son when he's like complaining that something is uncomfortable, I say, good, it's working. Good. It's working. That is what you need to grow and get better at the thing that you're seeking. Maybe you're not seeking it because, you know, you're six and... <laughs> 
you don't know yet, but well, I'll seek it for you. uncomfortable for them, right? Because like you're having new experiences all the time. So it's one of those things that like we have like historically like just been exposed to like over and over. But as you're an adult, you have so much control over your like daily interactions, your daily routine that you stop getting exposed to some of those uncomfortable situations. Like the first time he went up to kids at a playground was really uncomfortable. And he, you know, you said like bring a toy. And now every time he just grabs a toy and runs over because like he's learned how to not be uncomfortable in those situations. But like as a six-year-old, as kid, like if you guys have kids, like every, like so much of their lives is like new and uncomfortable all the time. So that's why they're growing so much and changing so much, but like they have that experience and it's really important for us as adults to manufacture in many ways, that same experience for ourselves. Yeah. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable is, uh, it's, I think it's the precursor to everything that you want. If you can understand how to sit in discomfort, drink it in and allow it to be, I think that you can literally change anything that you want to change at any point. So, and the ability to change your circumstances, your job, your lifestyle, like all of these things, the ability to change them is freedom. That's what it equals. It just equals freedom. And so like, I just encourage people, you know, sign up for the ultra marathon, you know, put, yeah. Like where, where are the shorts? Zumba class. Sign up for like the, you know, pole dancing, if that's your thing. Like you're sitting on the outskirts and you're like, I don't know. Like, I want to try that thing, but I, I don't know. It's going to be so uncomfortable. Like definitely sign up for it. And I just want to like the last tip that, that I wanted to give for, you know, ways to lean into discomfort is look at the language that we're using to describe discomfort. And my friend had done this, like, you know, hi, Jake, if you're listening, my friend had done this recently. He's like, you know, kind of like living off the map a little bit right now. And he said, you know, I'm in a cool change. I'm in a cool period of my life where I'm really uncomfortable and looking at the reasons why. And I was like, the fact that he said, like, I'm in a cool period of my life. Like, I was just like, wow, that's a really great way to describe that. Because sometimes we can't really say like, I'm in this awesome place or I'm in, you know what I mean? Because like we are either like sad or uncomfortable, like something is going on, but like it is a cool opportunity. And for me, that really resonated with it because it was kind of neutral, right? Like it was kind of like, it was an interesting way to like, like dabble in the way of like, it's not negative. Like I could just look at this for like the experience that it is and it is a cool experience. So I'm going to drink it in for that. So every time, like I I just want to suggest for you guys to look at the language, always look at the language of how you're describing things. I'm obsessed with it. It's weird. (laughs) I'm always looking at the language, like I'm describing things because it does matter because I've looked at like, you know, I have the opportunity to train today. I get to train instead of I have to train. It's like, you know, it completely shifts. But when you look at the language that you're using to describe something that you have historically described in a negative light, look at that language and try out some new ones, try out some new language for how you're going to describe, you know, a level, a moment of change or a moment of feeling uncomfortable. That right there is a catalyst for change. I mean, couldn't have said it better myself. Go out there and conquer it guys and, and prepare to feel uncomfortable and fucking love it. I fucking love it.
fucking drink that in because that is that is the human experience. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. If you'd like to join our movement, get in our free app, CVG Nation, available in your app store. We have an amazing community of women, coaches to help you with your movements, challenges, and we give away leggings daily in there. Rachel and I are in there every day, so it's a perfect place to get in touch with us. This podcast is made possible by Constantly Varied Gear, so be sure to check out ConstantlyVariedGear.com. Have an amazing week. Crush your goals.